Part 9 of Ancient Greek Philosopher-Scientists This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Andrew Coleman Ancient Greek Philosopher-Scientists A collection of their surviving words reported in ancient sources and translated by various translators. Part 9 Fragments and Testimonials on Xenophanes of Colophon, translated by Arthur Fairbanks in The First Philosophers of Greece. Fragments 1. God is one, supreme among gods and men, and not like mortals in body or in mind. 2. The whole of God sees, the whole perceives, the whole hears. 3. But without effort he sets in motion all things by mind and thought. 4. It, i.e. being, always abides in the same place, not moved at all, nor is it fitting that it should move from one place to another. 5. But mortals suppose that the gods are born, as they themselves are, and that they wear man's clothing and have human voice and body. 6. But if cattle or lions had hands so as to paint with their hands and produce works of art as men do, they would paint their gods and give them bodies in form like their own, horses like horses, cattle like cattle. 7. Homer and Hesiod attributed to the gods all things which are disreputable and worthy of blame when done by men, and they told of them many lawless deeds, stealing, adultery, and deception of each other. 8. For all things come from earth, and all things end by becoming earth. 9. For we are all sprung from earth and water. 10. All things that come into being and grow are earth and water. 11. The sea is the source of water and the source of wind. For neither would blasts of wind arise in the clouds and blow out from within them, except for the great sea. Nor would the streams of rivers, nor the rainwater in the sky exist, but for the sea. But the great sea is the begetter of clouds, and winds, and rivers. 12. This upper limit of earth at our feet is visible and touches the air, but below it reaches to infinity. 13. She whom men call Iris, rainbow, this also is by nature cloud, violet and red and pale green to behold. 14. Accordingly, there has not been a man, nor will there be, who knows distinctly what I say about the gods, or in regard to all things, for even if one chances for the most part to say what is true, still he would not know, but every one thinks he knows. 15. These things have seemed to me to resemble the truth. 16. In the beginning the gods did not at all reveal all things clearly to mortals, but by searching men in the course of time find them out better. 17. 
The following are fit topics for conversation for men reclining on a soft couch by the fire in the winter season, when after a meal they are drinking sweet wine and eating a little pulse. Who are you, and what is your family? What is your acre, my friend? How old were you when the Medes invaded this land? 18. Now, however, I come to another topic, and I will show the way. They say that once on a time when a hound was badly treated, a passer-by pitied him and said, Stop beating him, for it is the soul of a dear friend. I recognised him on hearing his voice. 19. But if one wins a victory by swiftness of foot, or in the pentathlon, where the grove of Zeus lies by Pisces' stream at Olympia, or as a wrestler, or in painful boxing, or in that severe contest called the Pancratian, he would be more glorious in the eyes of the citizens, he would win a front seat at assemblies, and would be entertained by the city at the public table, and he would receive a gift which would be a keepsake for him. If he won by means of horses, he would get all these things, although he did not deserve them, as I deserve them. For our wisdom is better than the strength of men or of horses. This is indeed a very wrong custom, nor is it right to prefer strength to excellent wisdom. For if there should be in the city a man good at boxing, or in the pentathlon, or in wrestling, or in swiftness of foot, which is honoured more than strength among the contests men enter into at the games, the city would not on that account be any better governed. Small joy would it be to any city in this case if a citizen conquers at the games on the banks of the Pisas, for this does not fill with wealth its secret chambers. 20. Having learned profitless luxuries from the Lydians, while as yet they had no experience of hateful tyranny, they proceeded into the marketplace, no less than a thousand in number all told, with purple garments completely covering them, boastful, proud of their comely looks, anointed with unguents of rich perfume. 21. For now the floor is clean, the hands of all and the cups are clean. One puts on the woven garlands, another passes around the fragrant ointment in a vase. The mixing bowl stands full of good cheer, and more wine, mild and of delicate bouquet, is at hand in jars, which says it will never fail. In the midst, frankincense sends forth its sacred fragrance, and there is water, cold and sweet and pure. The yellow loaves are near at hand, and the table of honour is loaded with cheese and rich honey. The altar in the midst is thickly covered with flowers on every side. Singing and mirth fill the house. Men making merry should first hymn the God with propitious stanzas and pure words. And when they have poured out libations and prayed for power to do the right, since this lies nearest at hand, then it is no unfitting thing to drink as much as will not prevent your walking home without a slave, if you are not very old. And one ought to praise that man who, when he has drunk, unfolds noble things as his memory and his toil for virtue suggest. 
but there is nothing praiseworthy in discussing battles of titans, or of giants, or centaurs, fictions of former ages, nor in plotting violent revolutions. But it is good always to pay careful respect to the gods. Testimonials Aristotle Rhetorics 2.23 1.399 B6 Xenophanes asserts that those who say the gods are born are as impious as those who say that they die, for in both cases it amounts to this, that the gods do not exist at all. Aristotle, Rhetorics, 2.23, 1.400.B5 When the inhabitants of Elia asked Xenophanes whether they should sacrifice to Leucothea and sing a dirge or not, he advised them not to sing a dirge if they thought her divine, and if they thought her human, not to sacrifice to her. Plutarch, on compliancy, P530F. When Lasos, son of Hermiones, called that man a coward who was unwilling to play at dice with him, Xenophanes answered that he was very cowardly and without daring in regard to dishonourable things. Diogenes Laertius, 9.20 When Empedocles said to him, Xenophanes, that the wise man was not to be found, he answered, Naturally, for it would take a wise man to recognise a wise man. Plutarch, Against the Stoics on Common Conceptions, P. 1084e Xenophanes, when someone told him that he had seen eels living in hot water, said, then we will boil them in cold water. Diogenes Laertius, 9.19 Have intercourse with tyrants, either as little as possible, or as agreeably as possible. Clement of Alexandria, Stramatius 7 And Greeks suppose the gods to be like men in their passions, as well as in their forms, and accordingly they represent them, each race, in forms like their own. In the words of Xenophanes, Ethiopians make their gods black and snub-nosed, Thracians red-haired and with blue eyes, so also they conceive the spirits of the gods to be like themselves. Aulus Gellius, Attic Nights, 3.11 Some writers have stated that Homer antedated Hesiod, and among these were Philochorus and Xenophanes of Colophon. Others assert that he was later than Hesiod. Plato, Sophist, 242d, and the Eleatic group of thinkers among us, beginning with Xenophanes and even earlier, set forth in tales how what men call all things is really one. Aristotle, On the Heavens, 2.13, 294a.21. On this account, some assert that there is no limit to the earth underneath us, saying that it is rooted in infinity, as, for instance, Xenophanes of Colophon, in order that they may not have the trouble of seeking the cause. Aristotle, Metaphysics, 1.5.986b.10. 
there are some who have expressed the opinion about the all, that it is one in its essential nature, but they have not expressed this opinion after the same manner, nor in an orderly or natural way. Aristotle, Metaphysics, one five nine hundred eighty six b twenty three. Xenophanes first taught the unity of these things. Parmenides is said to have been his pupil, but he did not make anything clear, nor did he seem to get at the nature of either of these things. But looking up into the broad heavens, he said, "The unity is God." These, as we have said, are to be dismissed from the present investigation. Two of them entirely as being rather more crude, Xenophanes and Melissos, but Parmenides seems to speak in some places with greater care. Simplicius, Commentary on Aristotle's Physics, five v twenty two thirty six. Theophrastus says that Xenophanes of Colophon, teacher of Parmenides, asserted that the first principle is one, and that being is one. And all-embracing, and is neither limited nor infinite, neither moving nor at rest. Theophrastus admits, however, that the record of his opinion is derived from some other source than the investigation of nature. This all-embracing unity, Xenophanes called God, he shows that God is one because God is the most powerful of all things, for he says. If there be a multiplicity of things, it is necessary that power should exist in them all alike. But the most powerful and most excellent of all things is God. It is natural that God should be one, for if there were two or more, He would not be the most powerful and most excellent of all. If then there were several beings, some stronger, some weaker, they would not be gods. For it is not the nature of God to be ruled, nor would they have the nature of God if they were equal. For God ought to be the most powerful, but that which is equal is neither better nor worse than its equal. And he shows that God must have been without beginning, since whatever comes into being must come either from what is like it, or from what is unlike it. But he says. It is no more natural that like should give birth to like, than that like should be born from like. But if it had sprung from what is unlike it, then being would have. So he showed that God is without beginning and eternal, nor is it either infinite or subject to limits, for not being is infinite, as having neither beginning nor middle nor end. Moreover, limits arise through the relation of a multiplicity of things to each other. Similarly, he denies to it both motion and rest, for not being is immovable, since neither could anything else come into it, nor could it itself come into anything else. Motion, on the one hand, arises among the several parts of the one. For one thing changes its position with reference to another, so that when he says that it abides in the same state and is not moved, and it always abides in the same place, not moved at all, nor is it fitting that it should move from one place to another, he does not mean that it abides in a rest that is the antithesis of motion, 
but rather in a stillness that is out of the sphere of both motion and rest. Nicolaus of Damascus, in his book On the Gods, mentions him as saying that the first principle of things is infinite and immovable. According to Alexander, he regards this principle as limited and spherical, but that Xenophanes shows it to be neither limited nor infinite is clear from the very words quoted. Alexander says that he regarded it as limited and spherical because it is homogeneous throughout, and he holds that it perceives all things, saying, but without effort, he sets in motion all things by mind and thought. Several of the commentators have made false statements about Xenophanes, as for instance Sabinos, who uses almost these very words. I say that man is not air, as Anaximenes taught, nor water, as Thales taught, nor earth, as Xenophanes says in some book. But no such opinion is found to be expressed by Xenophanes anywhere and it is clear from Sabinus's own words that he made a false statement intentionally and did not fall into error through ignorance, else he would certainly have mentioned by name the book in which Xenophanes expressed this opinion. On the contrary, he wrote, as Xenophanes says in some book, Theophrastus would have recorded this opinion of Xenophanes in his abridgment of the opinions of the physicists if it were really true and if you are interested in the investigation of these things, you can read the books of Theophrastus, in which he made this abridgment of the opinions of the physicists. Hippolytus, Philosopher Mina, 114. Xenophanes of Colophon, son of Orthomenes, lived to the time of Cyrus. He was the first to say that all things are incomprehensible, in the following verses. For even if one chances for the most part to say what is true, still he would not know, but every one thinks he knows. And he says that nothing comes into being, nor is anything destroyed, nor moved, and that the universe is one, and is not subject to change. And he says that God is eternal and one, homogeneous throughout, limited, spherical, with power of sense perception in all parts. The sun is formed each day from small fiery particles which are gathered together. The earth is infinite and is not surrounded by air or by sky. An infinite number of suns and moons exist, and all things come from earth. The sea, he said, is salt because so many things flow together and become mixed in it. But Metrodorus assigns as the reason for its saltness that it has filtered through the earth, and Xenophanes believes that once the earth was mingled with the sea, but in the course of time it became freed from moisture, and his proofs are such as these, that shells are found in the midst of the land and among the mountains, that in the quarries of Syracuse the imprints of a fish and of seals had been found, and in Paros the imprint of an anchovy at some depth in the stone, and in Melite shallow impressions of all sorts of sea products. 
he says that these imprints were made when everything long ago was covered with mud, and then the imprint dried in the mud. Further, he says that all men will be destroyed when the earth sinks into the sea and becomes mud, and that the race will begin anew from the beginning, and this transformation takes place for all worlds. Aetius, Placata Philosophorum, 1.3. Xenophanes held that the first principle of all things is earth, for he wrote in his book on nature, all things come from earth, and all things end by becoming earth. 2.4. Xenophanes et al. The world is without beginning, eternal, imperishable. 2.13. 343. The stars are formed of burning cloud. These are extinguished each day, but they are kindled again at night, like coals, for their risings and settings are really kindlings and extinguishings. 2.18.347. The objects which appear to those on vessels like stars, and which some call Dioscori, are little clouds, which have become luminous by a certain kind of motion. 2.20.348. The sun is composed of fiery particles collected from the moist exhalation and massed together, or of burning clouds. 2.24.354. Eclipses occur by extinction of the sun, and the sun is born anew at its risings. Xenophanes recorded an eclipse of the sun for a whole month, and another eclipse so complete that the day seemed as night. 2.24.355. Xenophanes held that there are many suns and moons, according to the different regions and sections and zones of the earth, and that at some fitting time the disk of the sun comes into a region of the earth not inhabited by us and so it suffers eclipse, as though it had gone into a hole. He adds that the sun goes on for an infinite distance, but it seems to turn around by reason of the great distance. 225.356. The moon is a compressed cloud. 228.358. It shines by its own light. 229.360. The moon disappears each month, because it is extinguished. 230.362. The sun serves a purpose in the generation of the world, and of the animals on it, as well as in sustaining them, and it drags the moon after it. 3.2.367. Comets are groups or motions of burning clouds. 3.3. 368. Lightnings take place when clouds shine in motion. 3.4.371. The phenomena of the heavens come from the warmth of the sun as the principal cause. For when the moisture is drawn up from the sea, the sweet water separated by reason of its lightness becomes mist and passes into clouds and falls as rain when compressed and the winds scatter it, for he writes expressly, The sea is the source of water. 
396. Sensations are deceptive. 5.1.415. Xenophanes and Epicurus abolished the prophetic art. End of part 9. Recording by Andrew Coleman.